If you're looking for a podcast for the latest and greatest chicken soup recipes for when you're sick. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason we're talking about this first up. Well, <laughs> well this isn't really that podcast. Uh, no, it's not. This is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where a married couple takes turns each episode selecting a movie, TV show, or documentary to watch. We watch it together, then we sit down and discuss whether we liked it, loved it, or loathed it, and then share that discussion with you. I am Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com. My latest review there is Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Just, just the title alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's based-ish on a true story that part of which happened in Knoxville, Tennessee. With a uh, man I used to go to church with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can, you can read my review of Cocaine Bear on StanTheMovieMan.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, at MovieManStan. Twitter. Also, the <laughs> podcast has a uh, Twitter account, at CT Marriage. You can get in touch with us via email, comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. And you can always leave us a voice message by clicking on the link in the description of this episode. Joining me, as always, when she feels up to it, is my other half... Um, so, yeah, Maud, the concealed broad, for two reasons, one of which we'll get to in a second. First of all, I would like to address um, my ridiculous absence last week and um, why we didn't have, you know, why we didn't do this little um, yuck fest. Um, Maud got bit by the Rona again. Maud mad. <laughs> um, okay, Maud, um, if, if you aren't aware, if you are discovering us for the first time, hey, hey. welcome, hey girl, hey, um, I work in a library, mm -hmm. and um, a couple of weeks ago, um, a library patron came in and just wanted to come in and read for a bit, which is perfectly fine, you yeah. are welcome in my house mm -hmm. with a couple of little rules little i don't ask for much little, i really don't ask for much tiny little rule just you know so in comes um mr toxic hacking up a lung patient zero typhoid tommy typhoid tommy gave me the rona again mm -hmm. guy um just hacking incessantly and i'm i don't mean little like dainty polite cops mm -hmm. i mean yakking up a freaking lung mm -hmm. and not covering his cough not masked not even you know bothering to cough into his sleeve it was it was almost as though he wanted to share his cough with everyone and um as it turned out he he actually did he did um yes. both of the people who work at your branch mm -hmm. you and and your assistant and my yeah my teammate we were both positive for the rona within days after this patron was mm -hmm. in um at one point i be i mean like you know i try not to i i don't like confrontation mm -hmm. um i you know i thought maybe you know he's just his throat's dry, he's hacking, it's allergies or whatever. 
but it just never stopped and never stopped and never stopped. And finally, I went over and very politely um, asked him, sir, I, I need to ask you to please cover up your cough. I, you know, I don't know if you're unwell. It, it doesn't really matter. It is cold and flu season. It is cold and flu season, but whatever the reason, if you'll just, you know, cover your cough up. Um, and instead of covering his cough up with a little bit of tood, I must say, he just kind of huffed and puffed a little bit and packed his crap up and left. So I'm like, well, okay. Solve that problem. Bye, Felicia. So anyway, um, roughly 24 hours later, I started to get like a sneezy. I was sneezing and my nose was drippy. And I thought, well, you know, it is cold and flu season. It mm -hmm. is also allergies here because in East Tennessee where we are, Mother Nature has cramps. It was up in the 80s last week. It's near it's, 70 today. Yeah, and you know, I'm sorry, it's not even March until tomorrow as we record this. Mm -hmm. Mother Nature has cramps. She doesn't know what season it is. So like, plant life is busting out all over that shouldn't be busting out for at least another couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. But it's been so warm, it's already out. So mm -hmm. anyway, um, I, I blamed it on everything. And then I, you know, as it continued, I'm like, well, it feels like I maybe have a little bit of a cold coming on. And then days go by, hours go by. Um, Tuesday was when the sneezing started. Wednesday, I went on to choir practice at church and um, came home and had you help me do a home COVID test, which came out because I was just being abundantly cautious. Mm -hmm. um, it was negative, so mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm just I'm catching a cold. Mm -hmm. So the next day was a Thursday. I went to work as per normal. There was a dress rehearsal for a concert. My chorus was doing that Friday night. Mm -hmm. Went to dress rehearsal, you know, snotting and sneezing, but not, you know, feeling like I was going to die or anything. And I was able to sing through the rehearsal. Um, late that night after I had gotten home, I realized I was sick. And um, it, was, it was a stark and kind of sudden jarring realization. By the time Friday morning came, my voice was gone. And I was just feeling like a dead woman and you know friday night concert was supposed to be concert night so mm -hmm. i email my chorus president and say look here's the thing i've been struggling with some symptoms all week today i have no voice at all so um i need to bow out of this concert and she told me that another girl in the chorus had um gotten sick in the wee hours of thursday morning and had um tested positive for COVID. i'm like well great crap so um, but still at this point, I'm not suspecting anything other than possibly strep throat because my throat had started to hurt really badly and I was coughing at this point. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, this is awful. So of course these things never happen when it's good timing. Right. So I ended up going to a walking clinic on Saturday afternoon and, um, explained my symptoms and how long it had been going on. And I'm like, look, I know if it's a cold, you're supposed to let it kind of wear itself out, but I'm really sick. Something is wrong. And I was suspecting strep at that time. Tested me for flu, strep, and COVID. No flu, yay. No strep, also yay. yay. Big fat immediate two lines on the COVID test. What? 
<laughs> so yeah, so I immediately said a curse word and then uh, burst into tears. And the nurse practitioner was like, "Oh, oh God, why, why are you crying? Are you okay? What, what, what's going on?" And I told her, you know, I had COVID two years ago. I'm still dealing with long COVID survivor complications. Um, and she comforted me and told me all the things and said, you know, you when you first got it, it was still the first really bad wave of COVID. There were no vaccines for anybody yet. You had to wait, you know, 24 hours or even, you know, days on end for test results. Um, there was we didn't know anything about this virus except that it was making people horribly ill and killing people she said you know you're vaxxed you're boosted um the variants tend to be much weaker and milder in people who do get them who are vaxxed and boosted like you are she said so so you know i understand your concern but try not to panic okay we'll we will throw everything we've got at your symptoms and at this virus and um and hopefully we'll, it'll be sufficient to kick this virus and symptoms out of you. So I left with prescriptions for both Paxlovid, which is the five-day regimen of antivirals for um, coronavirus. And I also left for prescription for a very strong antibiotic for um, twice a day doses um, for seven days. Did all of that. Um, <laughs> emailed my boss at work explaining the situation it, by then i had checked in with my teammate and she's like well i was having a little bit of sinus drainage so i just checked myself she said i came out positive too what's up with that her symptoms were extremely mild mm -hmm. she didn't even really feel like she had a cold but because of a, a positive covid test she was in covid jail um, for one day of our work week last week. We had um, President's Day off, so we didn't have to report for work that day. She had to stay out because of COVID jail for Tuesday, and then she was back the rest of the week, and she was okay. And um, I emailed my boss to let them know what the situation was and that we had both tested positive and that I was still having a lot of trouble, quite sick. I said, if you could call me, please, at your earliest convenience. Well, a couple of minutes later, my phone rings and I pick up the phone and um, we we talk just, you know, for a couple of seconds. And she said, you sound horrible. I said, yeah. And this is actually the best it's been for about 48 hours. She said, oh, no, you're not working this week. I'm like, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, so anyway, I took last week off. I drank tons and tons of Powerade Zero and um, non-alcoholic fluids. And unless NyQuil's kind of an alcoholic fluid, sort kind of, of but, but it's got, you know, it has other things in it that are helpful. And, and since you, you aren't an alcoholic, you only took it in the prescribed dosage. More or less. I mean, I don't use the little cap thing. Well, I just, you know, kind of tip the bottle back and get a big swig. But mm. um, but you don't, like, finish off a bottle in a day. Or oh, anything. ew. Yeah, no. Well, no, you know. it's gross. But yeah. anyway, um, took my medicine religiously um, like a new convert with fervor with these with these medicines and stuff. Um, Paxlovid did give me a bitter taste in my mouth, which I had been warned about, but I, I that was okay. Um, so anyway, I rested a lot. I couldn't even really 
focus mentally or visually, frankly, enough to do much reading until just a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched um, a lot of cheesy TV, which we'll talk about later in the podcast, um, and um, just kind of took time to recover. And yesterday I went back to work. It was a, a short day at work, and it was I was very tired. But um, today was a full day at work, and I felt much better. And um, so, anyway, that's the odyssey of the uh, the movie Broad's second round with um, the Rona. Yes. Well, yeah, you were very sick. Yeah, I was sick. And uh, but certainly not as sick, and not for as long as you were. In December of 2020. Oh Lord, no! When you and I'm knocking we, on wood as, as we, we say this. When we both caught it, and much like your coworker, I had a pretty easy time of it. Uh, just ran a fever for a day, off and on, and it's then otherwise even... it was a head cold. Yeah. Um. But but you had a much 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 worse time with it. Yeah, I did. Um, it sucked. I yeah. won't lie. The The only real things that this bout had in common with the last one um, were obviously the upper respiratory symptoms. Um, there was no pneumonia this time, which was good and, and which we wanted to prevent, which is why we did the antibiotics on top of the antiviral. Um, because last time, the um, horrible nurse practitioner I saw on my first visit didn't offer me anything for any of my symptoms. She said, well, sounds like COVID to me. And just, you know, basically stuck a thing up my nose and swabbed around and said, we'll get in touch with you when we know and didn't offer me any sort of measures for the symptoms. So anyway, um, but yeah, there was the upper respiratory symptoms, horrible headache (coughs) excuse me um and um a little bit of brain fog and fevers Mm -hmm. which i don't run fevers it's something bad wrong if i'm running a fever yeah so um but a lot of the other stuff um i i am thankful that i'm vaxxed and boosted Mm -hmm. and as of today i am officially past the um rebound window for Paxlovid, which they say is possible. Mm-hmm. So I am about to cough again, so so right. so <coughs> dry, hacky, um, delightful. So anyway, that's why we didn't podcast last week but because I had no voice still at that point and just felt like, you know, crap on a cracker. Mm-hmm. So Well uh and now as I get a drink of beverage to, you know Yes. Because your your throat probably is going to be kind of dry because you've been going for about thirteen minutes. Well, and it's sorry. I'm well, sorry. no, no, I'm not. I'm not complaining about the length of time, but you know, this is probably the most you have talked in a stretch. In yeah. a stretch for um, a while. So. Plus, you know, the throat's not completely recovered right. yet. We're still I haven't really tried to sing yet. That yeah. that'll happen tomorrow, and that'll be a train wreck. But you've got to stick a toe in the water. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so that's that's where we were last week, and um, things are much better now. And so, um, you tell what we watched while I drink a little more. Okay. Well, it was uh, Mod's choice this week. Uh, actually, the last two weeks. 
and sorry uh, excuse me oh it's quaint i'm a dainty goddess and uh her choice for this week was the 2016 film hidden figures i hadn't i didn't remember that it was from that long ago i the time is just racing by and i don't know what's happening to it except that it's going away well that's what happens when you get older <clears throat> oh i hate that um anyway yes from 2016 hidden figures um it was it's wikipedia calls it a biological drama biological I, i'm sorry biographical oh, derp okay. Um, bio something, I just, biographical drama, um, directed by Theodore Melfi and written by Melfi and Allison Schrader, loosely based on the 2016 nonfiction book um, called Hidden Figures by Margot Lee Shetterly, and the book and the movie um, chronicle the stories of three female African American um, mathematician slash engineer people. Um, Catherine Goble Johnson, who is portrayed in this film by Taraji P. Henson. Dorothy Vaughn, portrayed by the luminous and wonderful Octavia Spencer, total fangirl of hers. And Mary Jackson, portrayed by Janelle Monet. These ladies worked at NASA during the space race. Um, we meet... The early days. Of the the early race. days of the space race. Yeah, we meet them. The opening um, scene of the film is like early in 1961 or um, 1960 maybe. Um, I remember Octavia Spencer's legs sticking out the front end of a, of a car that's gotten stalled as the three ladies are on their way to, uh, to NASA in uh, Langley, Virginia to, to go to work. Um, uh, other cast members in the film are Kevin Costner, Kirsten Dunst, Jim Parsons in a thoroughly despisable character i just i don't like him um being a jerk but he was a jerk very convincingly which yeah. is what good actors do mm -hmm. um mahershala ali aldous hodge and glenn powell um music by hans zimmer pharrell williams and benjamin walfish it was a fox two <laughs> 20th century fox no it was a fox 2000 pictures um release and we streamed it on Disney Plus on Disney Plus thank you um, most people I think unless you've lived under a rock for the last you know several years are aware of the basic story these three ladies um, along with other african-american women oh yeah um, <clears throat> this is during the early days of the space race obviously um, the country was still very segregated at this time. We see, um, we see a lot of examples of maddening discrimination, um, particularly in the Katherine Johnson character. Um, she is moved over to another um, part of the complex um, for a temporary assignment in Kevin Costner's unit doing calculations for um, launch and landing, I think, for the... Yes, launch and return. Yeah. Launch and return um, for the, the spacecraft that John Glenn will eventually um, fly up in. Yes. Um, so she's moved over to a different part of the 
campus, so to speak, that's like a half mile from where she's been working, there is no colored ladies room anywhere where they have moved her to. And on top of that, she's the only woman in her department. Uh, in, and, in the uh, <clears throat> space task group is yeah. what it's called. Um, the only woman, and she's black. Uh, well, the only well she. Aside th they from, have a, a secretary there. Yeah, uh, yeah there's yeah. <clears throat> but, but she the is only, the only one doing math. Yeah. Uh, and she is called a computer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they called because she computes numbers. And she was not the only one who was called by that moniker mm -hmm. at that time. They they referred to human calculators as computers, mm -hmm. which, I mean, I guess it's correct. It's just, it was a little odd to, to hear that terminology used in that manner. Um, but anyway, she showed, she has shown on numerous occasions um, tapping her toes, like doing the pee-pee dance, mm -hmm. like, um, and she takes huge binders of paperwork with her as she runs to the other side of the campus so that she can go pee um, in a colored women's um, bathroom. Um, one, of, one of the best scenes in all of cinema happens where um, her boss in the space task unit, um, Kevin Costner, comes out to you know look for her for to ask her something and she's gone and he's like well where is she well we don't know well she's had to go to the bathroom and she comes back in she's, was that the scene when it was raining yeah okay she has come back in um having had to run across and back in a you know pouring rainstorm she's soaked to the bone and he's like where have you been and she finally has just had enough. She's like, I had to go to the bathroom. And he's like, what? For 40 minutes? For 40 minutes. <clears throat> and then she explains to him in this beautifully written piece of dialogue mm -hmm. and beautifully delivered by Taraji P. Henson that um, there is no colored women's bathroom in the building anywhere that they work in. So she has to hoof it a half mile away one direction just to go relieve herself. And so between the running back and forth, you know, a few times a day when a woman's got to go, she's got to go. And yeah, it takes a little time. Um, Kevin Costner takes it upon himself to remedy this situation. He goes over to the other building where the colored women's restroom is with a sledgehammer. Well, I think it was or, actually a crowbar. Maybe it was a crowbar. But he's beating the... He's the, beating the colored sign down. Yes. And says um, when the sign finally comes down, he picks it up and starts to walk away with it. And he says, at NASA, we all pee the same color. <laughs> there's, no, there's no colored bathrooms anymore. So um, that was that was just funny and brilliant and smart, and I just it kind of made me want to cheer a little bit for Kevin Costner's character. Um, Jim Parsons is obviously and immediately threatened by her presence in his unit because he appears to be kind of the the math wonderkind. Mm -hmm. 
and um, she's called in in part to like double check his figures. Well, he's not having any of that. Yeah, he don't like that. So he goes through his work and starts redacting a bunch of stuff with a marker. Because she doesn't have the security clearance for some of the things yeah. in it. Yeah. So he's like, and she's she's trying to explain how I can't, how am I supposed to check this information if I don't have all the information? And he's basically like, just, well, you know, figure it out. Work with what you've got. What she finally ends up doing is holding the redacted documents up to the light and she can read through where he's marked out with a, a black like marker, a, like a black magic Sharpie marker or something. Or something yeah. um, and she eventually is able to fully vet those documents. And they're like, well, how did you know that this was this? Well, it's in the documents. Well, but yeah, but it was marked out. How did you know? I held it up to the light. And Kevin Costner's response to that was, uh, well, among other things, I guess we need darker markers. Yes. Uh, dark blacker ink. Blacker ink. Yeah. And um, and they accuse her at one point of being a Russian spy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, any, any it's impossible. Possible, it's yeah. impossible for her to be that smart. Right. And to but until she climbs up on the ladder on this chalkboard wall, and they see her actually doing these calculations, these calculations yes. in real time. They're watching it happen, and they know that she's pulling this math out of her head. And there's no way that she can be faking that. So she she begins gradually to earn the respect of these fellows that she's working with. Meanwhile. Um, elsewhere, Dorothy, who is played by Octavia Spencer, is, um, basically in charge of, like, what looks to be like a secretarial pool, except they're, they're, um, they appear to be other calculators. Yes. Um, and so she's, they haven't had a supervisor in over a year. She's been basically doing the work of a supervisor without the title, or without the, money. the title or the pay. Mm -hmm. And they keep, you know, she asks them about it. And Kirsten Dunst is the person she's talking to. And um, she keeps blowing her off. And um, at some point they they get wind that they're going to buy an IBM which at this point, an IBM computer takes up an entire room. Mm -hmm. It's this huge behemoth room full of racks and reels and, you know, spinning tape. Patch and cords. Patch and... cords and punch cards and mm -hmm. all these things. Mm -hmm. um, well, Dorothy has the foresight to know that um, even though the IBM will eventually... Um, eliminate the need for what they're doing at present, they're still going to need people to feed the cards to, into to the pro, IBM to, essentially to, program, program yeah. to program the machine. And so she gets ahead of the curve and starts training this department full of women how to do this so that they will still be useful and still be needed and be able to keep their jobs once the IBM has been moved in. She goes to a... Uh to a library to get a book on Fortran, which is a the computer language mm -hmm. that this IBM uh, Spoke. speaks. And uh, she ends up having to steal the book because it's a segregated library. Ugh, and right. 
you know, and she is told that, you know, you need to go to, to the colored library. The I colored think. library don't have this book. Yeah, well, you just have to make do, you know, essentially. So she but took she, it. But she, she takes the book, she reads it, she learns Fortran, she, she um, actually, uh, when nobody else is in the computer room, goes in and, and sees that they have it uh, patched in wrong. They can't get it, the people who, who should be able to get it to work can't. And she figures out what's wrong with it and starts getting data out of it. Mm-hmm. And they, the guys walk in and ask her who she is and what does she think she's doing there. And that's when they notice the computer's working. Yeah. Because it hasn't so far. Yeah. Um, and she eventually gets put in charge along with the other ladies mm-hmm. from that division. Um, they they are tasked with programming this computer. Mm-hmm. Because they're apparently the only ones who can. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. A woman solving a problem. Um. Part three of this triangle is Mary, who is played by Janelle Monet. She um, decides that she is going to become an engineer. And the only way that she can do this is by attending classes at a segregated high school. So since it is segregated, in order for her to even have opportunity to... Um, go to the classes she needs to become an engineer to further her career there at Langley at NASA, um, she has to go to court. Mm -hmm. And um, she makes another beautiful speech to the judge. She approaches the bench and and talks about what this means to her and how, how it's necessary. And somebody always has to be the first. Well, maybe it's time for this judge to be the first to um, desegregate this school, mm-hmm. and it it she ends up being only able to take night classes, but she's able to get the coursework that she needs and um, fulfill her destiny mm-hmm. here with regard to NASA. Um, there is um, some spliced in old footage of you know space launches and things, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's interspersed with. Um, new visual effects and some really gorgeous shots actually of, you know, rockets, smoke trails coming off of rockets and things. Um, it's, it's a, a stylish film to look at. Mm -hmm. The wardrobe's great, Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, the cars and the hairstyles and all of that. The music. The music. Yeah. The soundtrack's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's, as we are closing out Black History Month, and entering um, Women's History Month, um, going from February into March, um, this seemed like an appropriate viewing choice yes. to me. So, um, And it's an extraordinarily entertaining film. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. It is um, also incredibly frustrating Yeah. Uh, because, you know, 1961, the year I was born, um, seems like... A very long time ago. Yeah. At the same time, it's not that long ago. No. Um, and 
when you know, and they're in Langley, Virginia, um, and of course Virginia was still a segregated mm-hmm. place. Um, you see um, colored drinking fountain fountains and white people drinking fountains back of the bus and back of the bus and also uh, entrances the colored entrance yeah. into some places. Um, and that they're, they're... that stuff is seeing that, even though I, I'm aware of it, but seeing it played out in this film was incredibly frustrating. Well, what frustrates me more is that there are people who want to go back to that. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it it just is a especially since these women as they're depicted in the film and there are some historical you know they they sort of played with some facts and times and well, dates and things of that nature yeah. but these women um were able to do things that that no man as as shown in the film can do um um you know, um, Taraji P. Henson's character, Catherine, she is able to do analytic geometry. I had never heard those two words put together. Me neither. And she was she was coming up with math that didn't exist yet. That and she also was able to realize that some of the things that they needed to calculate they thought the math didn't exist, but actually it was an older style of math that solved their problem. Ancient. And she figured that out mm-hmm. in, in the film. Um, and, you know, um, Mary wants to be an engineer. She's actually working on the design and structure of the mercury capsule. Mm-hmm. Um, and like uh, like she says at one point in the film um you know we try to make strides and they keep moving the finish line yeah um because they had added d- despite her um her training and her education she had a couple of degrees but she wasn't allowed to be an engineer because they added some more requirements mm-hmm. as why she ends up having to go to uh, court. school, yeah. Um, and, you know, like you and Jim Parsons being a, a bad guy, yeah. essentially, for most of this movie, uh, Kristen Dunst uh, also is kind of a bad guy. She is. She's, she's like a the, little more subtle about it, but she's, still. She, well, she's still a racist. Yes. And uh, she's like the... Um, the iron claw, but it's inside a velvet glove. Yes. So she's still very, um, you know, sweet tea and honey, but it's still, you know, racist crap. Yeah, she, she'll she put you in your place, you know, however you want to define that, but does it with just enough threat in her voice to where, okay, I, I can't, I can't, where you her where way. you remember where your place is yes so uh yeah all these and kevin costner um is 
he's he's a realist, but he's also doesn't see the point of you know having separate bathrooms. Or uh, uh, at one point, um, Catherine uh, goes to get a cup of coffee from the big um, the big the urn. big urn urn coffee pot, and a little percolator is set next to it that has a has a little label on it that says colored coffee yeah or colored coffee pot um and there's no there's no there's coffee, no coffee in, in it, it. Uh, she has to make her own coffee sure um it's it you know insult to injury yeah it's just so you know awful and and I don't know how much of that kind of thing actually occurred. I haven't read the book. You plan on reading the I book. I would love to read the book, yeah. Um, but it's it just, it's the kind of thing that is so frustrating because, you know, these three women um, are clearly superior to the white men who pretty much run NASA. Mm -hmm. um, and when Catherine is able to kind of show off her ability in uh, as they prepare for uh, John Glenn's flight, where she, off the top of her head and on a blackboard, calculates, you know, where he needs to fire his retro rockets so that he can splash down, splash down within a twenty-mile uh, square in um, the Caribbean, I think it was the Caribbean, um, you know, and, and everybody's just slack-jawed, just staring at this woman do this math yeah. in a matter of seconds that nobody else in that room can do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a very entertaining film and very inspirational and at the same time incredibly frustrating. Which is why it's important. Yes. I've never been black, but oh, I've, I know, I am, yeah. but I've spent my whole life being female. Yeah, and um, you know, there's a lot of ground has been covered, a lot of progress has been made, all of the progress has not been made. Well, no, and <clears throat> at times it feels like we're going backwards. People are uh, attempting to, uh, you know, they they want to put a sign up at the border saying. You're entering Tennessee. Set your clocks back a hundred years. It's, and check your brains at the door. It's uh, there's so much meaningless um, clickbait, um, you know, kind of uh, laws and legislation being passed right now that oh, it's, who's, who's wearing a necktie to work on Thursday? I don't know. That would be me. Oh, because of the drag thing? Because I'm a girl. Ah. Um, and Come at me, bro. It's, it's just so stupid, the things that some politicians are paying the most attention to. When it's just to rile up the base and to get um, donations. But my freedom! Um, yeah, well, yeah. yeah that yeah. isn't, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it's just so, fr again, frustrating to, to see this film and to, and to 
have this, uh, the, the, the way things seem to be trying to be turned. Um, so, anyway. Stand up on his soapbox. Look I know. It seems to be happening every episode, and I apologize. We'll You're talk okay. more about uh, Hidden Figures and give you our uh, ratings. Um, shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, also, uh, we'll talk about what else we've watched right after this. Welcome back to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage. We watched Hidden Figures, and at this point, uh, I will let you know the uh, film was made for $25 million and grossed worldwide $236.2 million. Decent. Uh, better than decent. Um, it, um, let's see here. Um, it has a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes, based on 314 reviews, and on Metacritic it has a 74 out of 100, generally favorable reviews. It was nominated for three Academy Awards, but it did not win any of them. Um, what was it nominated for? Um, let's see, Supporting Actress for, uh, Octavia Spencer. She didn't win for that one? No. Um... She also she was also nominated for a Golden Globe and a SAG nomination. Um, uh, best adapted screenplay um, and um, best picture. Okay. Um, it lost to to Moonlight. To Moonlight. Um, but yeah, it it made a, a good amount of money and it. Uh, it uh, it got some some decent acclaim. Yeah, well, I mean, it it's you know, we liked it. Yeah. So uh so let's tell them how much. You first. Uh, okay. Uh, I give it 5 stars. Um I I think some of and I know what I said earlier about how frustrating that watching the the racism be played out um on, on in the film is uh, I think actually they probably softened some of the racism. Oh, I'm sure they did. Because we never hear the N word. Um, and um, there is an implied threat um, from the um, policeman who, who runs into them on the road when they're broken down. Mm -hmm. But he, he is so impressed that they work for NASA. And, he's, oh, and that they meet the astronauts all the time. Yes. Uh, that he escorts that, them to work. Yeah, he escorts them to work, which, you know, feels like stuff was softened up. Because I'm sure these ladies faced much worse oh, yeah. than that. Uh, but, uh, again, it's very entertaining. It's got a great soundtrack. It looks very good. Um, Kevin Costner is... Um, he is... He's not quite the white savior, but he 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 is supportive, um, and I I I liked it a lot. I'm so glad! Yay! And you? Oh, eleventy big flaming rockets! Okay. Hello, <laughs> um, I loved it. Uh, we obviously anytime we watch anything that Octavia Spencer has to do anything with. Um, ridiculous fangirl, love her. She just brings a dignity and um, a strength and a quiet, powerful presence to um, to any role that she 
inhabits. She's mm-hmm. just a marvel. Yeah. Taraji P. Henson is great. Janelle Monet is great. Kevin Costner delivers a lovely performance. He's, you know, kind of, you know, stern, stone-faced all the time, um, which is exactly what this character calls for. And um, Jim Parsons is an utterly convincing douche hole. So um, his performance is, you know, quite good as well. Yeah. So we both liked it. You can stream it on Disney+. Plus. Uh, if you subscribe to that service, or you can rent it from pretty much any place. I think it's also um, maybe streaming on Peacock or Pluto or someplace else. I've seen um, spots for it streaming elsewhere, but that mm-hmm. would be with commercials. Right. Disney Plus was commercial free because we have the service. Yeah, well, we have the service and we, we pay for the no we do. commercial version yeah. of the service. So what else have you been watching? Um, in the feminist vein... I decided on one of my fever-induced late-night <laughs> TV trolling binges um, to try to see if I could find a favorite sitcom from my childhood tween teen days. And so I went looking for um, the 70s and 80s sitcom One Day at a Time, starring Bonnie Franklin, Valerie Bertinelli, um, and Mackenzie Phillips, also Pat Harrington as the um, always on the make mustachioed Schneider, who was the building super. Um, it aired from 1975 to 1984, and it is streaming on Pluto with commercials. Um, it it's I'm in the first season right now. Um, the only seasons that appear to be streaming are seasons one, seven, and nine, which is weird to me, but whatever. Anyway, it's been very nice to, first of all, totally addictive, very cool theme song. Yes, it's become an earworm. Yeah, it, but in a good way, though. Yeah. And it's, I, I, I like it. Well, I like the song, but, you know, after I've heard it in my head 70 or 80 times, I'm over it. Oh, uh, well, okay. Well, whatever you do, you boo. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a joy to kind of revisit those episodes and those characters and it was kind of groundbreaking for its time. Oh, yeah. It was a Norman Lear production. He developed it. Mm-hmm. Um, Whitney Blake and Alan Manning's husband and wife team um, wrote it and um, also developed it. Um, Whitney Blake was um, Mrs. Baxter on Hazel from the 60s. Oh, okay. If you remember her. Yeah. She was in the uh, very first Perry Mason episode. And among other things, she was also Meredith Baxter's real life mother. Oh. So, yeah, that's, you know, you can see the pretty resemblance between mm-hmm. the two of them. Anyway, um, so that's been fun to watch and, you know, get my feminist hackles all up. So... Um, that's the only re- new thing that I've watched, aside from the stuff that I've watched with you. Well, <clears throat> uh, the new season of The Bad Batch, which is about a, a group of Stormtrooper clones who did not uh, follow um, Order 66 and help to wipe out the, the Jedi, but um, that is in its second season on Disney+. Plus. I've been watching that. There's also a Marvel show, animated show that I think airs on maybe Disney Junior or one of the one of the Disney cable channels, but is also on Disney Plus. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. They are a sort of lower 
ranking. I mean, it, it <clears throat> it's a more. I don't know. It's more a kid focused. Um, They're like character. the B team. Yeah, to a degree, um, but um, the animation style is very frenetic. Uh, the uh, dialogue is delivered like a machine gun. Oh wow! Um, and the um, j there's all kinds of action, um, and uh, it's it's also pretty funny. Oh, cool! So uh, even though it is more aimed at younger kids, uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is. Also, I think, something that most adults could probably enjoy. Okay. Uh, and that is on Disney+. Plus. Uh, a lot of animation on my list this week. Uh, Velma on HBO Max. Uh, everyone's favorite bespeckled nerd from Scooby-Doo. We uh, find her here in high school before she meets Scooby-Doo. Um, and uh, we, uh, Fred and... Um, Daphne. Daphne are in her high school. Fred, They're mean kids. Yes, they are. Fred is uh, the son of a uh, wealthy uh, businessman and is um, has been pampered all his life and doesn't know how to do anything. And Daphne, uh, her 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 mothers are uh, two lesbian police detectives who adopted her uh, when she was a baby. And uh, Velma is in love with Daphne, and the feeling is somewhat mutual. Uh, so Velma and Daphne are, at the very least, bisexual, possibly lesbians. But Daphne has been dating Fred. Uh, so that's causing all kinds of um, tension, tension and, and turmoil. Um, and the, the show is... It ain't it ain't your mama's Scooby Doo. No. Okay. Um, it, it is, uh, but I, I I enjoyed it. It's like ten episodes, um, and there's a uh, overarching mystery that runs through the whole uh, first season, and it will be back for a second season. Mindy Kaling is one of the producers, and she voices Velma, um, and and I've enjoyed it. Um, it's. Having grown up watching Scooby-Doo, it was new when I was a child. Oh, yeah, I remember. Um, and seeing this character reimagined this way is uh, mildly subversive, yet very entertaining. Well, seeing them all reimagined that way. Because, yes. Yeah, Fred... Um, Fred in this iteration is like his he's a late bloomer he hasn't been through puberty yet his father is the owner and you know CEO of like a, a ascot company yeah men's accessories men's store. accessories and it's all about the ascots which mm -hmm. in the 70s with Fred it always was about right. all the ascots um, I always kind of thought Velma might be gay. I mean, after I got grown, mm -hmm. but um, you know, there was it was there was nothing so overt as like when I had my grown ass revelation that oh my God, Scooby and Shaggy were stoners, and that's why they were always in that van cooped <laughs> up, and that's why they were always hungry. Right, uh, Shaggy and Scooby are not in this or at least in the first we season. We haven't met them. No, that might be something they say for the last episode of the last season. I hope however so. many seasons it goes. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, it's definitely different. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Um, and definitely I watched pieces of it with you, yeah. and it was kind of cute. Yeah. Um, also on HBO Max is a comedy special, Mark Marin from Bleak to Dark, and Marin is if you've ever heard him on his uh, mm. podcast WTF or seen any of his other comedy specials, you know he's sort of a He's a little bitter. He's, he's well, he's angry, he's bitter, um, and, you know, in this special, um, he's got some good reason to be since the uh, woman that he was in love with and living with died. Yeah. Um, uh, not from COVID, from something else. And uh, it was it was very, very sudden. Um, and, you know, he, and he's he's been processing that for two years now, over mm -hmm. two years. And um, he has, he talks about finding a way to make, to work that into his act. Yeah, well, um, I mean, that's how artists process. Yeah. Tragedy is through their art. So uh, if if you're familiar with Marin, uh, check out his special From Bleak to Dark. It's on HBO Max. Um, also on, a lot of HBO Max too. Um, also, there's a documentary called Supervillains and Investigation. Uh, it's a French documentary, so some of the voiceover is in French, and a lot of the people they talk to are French, uh, including cosplayers and people who um, make costumes. And uh, But they also talk to some of the comic book writers, most of whom are American, um, ab about you know what the supervillain means in relation to the superhero and also how the supervillains are often far more complex characters than their heroic counterparts. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's about a little over an hour long and uh, if you don't mind reading the French stuff unless you speak French then um, I, I found it interesting you know it, it gave you a little more depth and background to some of these characters than you would normally get so uh, Supervillains and Investigation on HBO Max. Uh, I also watched a, a DC animated film called Superman Unbound, also on HBO Max, uh, that is about uh, Superman and him encountering uh, Brainiac for the first time. Uh, Brainiac is the uh, living supercomputer uh, who goes around to various planets and sucking up um, their their technology and uh, one of their major cities and miniaturizing it and storing it on board his ship. Um, and uh, one of those cities is a Kryptonian city um, where Supergirl, uh, Kara, uh, and her family lived. Um, and so there's there's all kinds of stuff going on with Supergirl and Superman and Brainiac and Lois, um, and, and you know, it, it's it maybe a little overstuffed as far as story goes, um, but still, I enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, Superman Unbound on HBO Max. And we have been watching Night Watch Nation. Yeah. Uh, we watched Night Watch, which was set mostly in New Orleans. Night Watch Nation... Uh, which we are watching on Hulu, 
is uh, set in four different cities in four different locations across the country. Uh, Austin, Texas, Yonkers, New York, um, Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, and um, Tucson. Austin. You said Austin. Oh, I said Austin. Yeah. Oh yes. Uh, uh, yes, Tucson. Tucson. I think it's. I think it's the other one. So um, it's pretty much exactly like Night Watch, except mm, the characters, the the not as colorful. The the EMTs are, you know, slightly less entertaining. Although, you know, they try hard, but... Um, they, may, they may warm up. Yeah. Uh, but you'll never find better characters um, in a live uh, or a uh, true crime or reality show than the EMTs in New Orleans. In New Orleans. Yeah. Love them. But Night Watch Nation is on Hulu, and if you like Night Watch, you'll probably like Night Watch Nation. Anything else? Nope. Okay, well, that's going to take care of it for this episode. We are glad we are back. If uh, you have something you want us to watch for Comedy Tragedy Marriage, uh, a movie, TV show, or documentary you think we should watch, send us the name of it and why you think we should watch it. Send it via email, comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com, or leave us a voice message uh, by clicking the link in the description of this episode. And please, uh Give us a uh, like, a review, uh, whatever, on Apple Podcasts or whatever other uh, platform you listen to us on. It helps people find us or share us with your so on your social medias. That would be lovely, too. Um, that's going to take care of it for this week. Uh, I am Stan the Movie Man. That is Maud the Movie Broad. Love you. Love you. And I'm glad you're doing better. Thank you. And until next time. Later. later.